Morning King's Church Kingston. It was a year ago today that Sophie and myself and our family arrived back in Kingston after six years in Istanbul. We want to say thank you so much for welcoming us and making us so welcome. Today we're going to continue our preaching series called Blueprint, an envision for the local church from Acts chapter 2. We're going to use the picture of the church in Acts chapter 2 as a lens to ask what were the key values the early church prioritised and devoted themselves to. We're then going to ask how are we to apply those same values in our situation as a church in the UK navigating COVID-19 social isolation measures. If you have a Bible, please turn to Acts chapter 2. That's where we're going to be camping and looking at this morning. But David Holden kicked off the series last week and he showed the importance of the Holy Spirit in the birth of the church. He explained from Acts chapter 2 and from other passages that when we believe in Jesus and accept him as Lord and Saviour, God wants to fill us with the Holy Spirit to empower us to live day by day for Jesus. David pointed out that as we read the book of Acts, it's clear there are three key foundations for someone on becoming a Christian. The first one is that they believe in Jesus as Lord and Saviour. The next one, number two, is that they're baptised in water. And thirdly, that they're baptised or filled with the Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, Jesus ascended to heaven and the 120 disciples are waiting in the upper room for the promise of the Holy Spirit that Jesus has promised the Father would send to them. So they're there in Jerusalem. And then suddenly the Holy Spirit comes upon them. There's a sound of rushing winds and it looks as if tongues of fire rest on each of them as they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And as they're filled with the Holy Spirit, they start speaking in other languages as enabled by the Holy Spirit. Crowds gather at the commotion Some of them mock them and go, these people are drunk in wine. Others just are bewildered. And then Peter stands up. The same Peter who denied Jesus three times 50 days earlier. But he's this time emboldened by the Holy Spirit. And he boldly preaches about what is happening and Jesus the Saviour. He testifies a new day has come where the Holy Spirit's being poured out upon all people. Young, old, men, women, slave, free. He then goes on to tell the crowd that the Jesus who the Jewish people had rejected was God's anointed king who they'd crucified. Yet God would not abandon his faithful servant Jesus. He raised Jesus from the dead because death could not hold him. And Jesus is now at the right hand of God in glory. And by his death and his resurrection, he's proved that he's both Lord and Saviour. After the crowd hear Peter's preach, they cry out. And let's read what they cry out in Acts chapter 2, verses 37 to 41. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. Everyone whom our Lord calls to himself. And with many other words, 
he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his words were baptised and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. So on hearing the gospel, the good news of Jesus, the crowd cry, what must we do to be saved? And Peter answers, repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. In becoming a believer, there is a need to repent of our sins. In other words, we need to turn from sin, from willfully disobeying God's law, and turn towards God and his ways. However, what may surprise you is that we expect Peter to say, repent and believe, not repent and be baptised. Why does Peter say that? In the book of Acts, believing and baptism are so closely associated. Often they are almost synonymous. Actually, the act of baptism itself doesn't save someone, and it's distinct from trusting in Jesus as Lord and Saviour. We see this distinction between believing and baptism when Philip shares the gospel in Samaria in Acts chapter 8. Or in Acts chapter 18, when in Corinth, Crispus and his whole household first believe and then are baptised. Or we see it in Acts chapter 16, where the Philippian jailer cries out to Paul and to Barnabas, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And Paul and Barnabas reply, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. It then continues, and they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them into the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptised at once, he and all his family. So in this scenario, the Philippian jailer and his family first believed when they heard the message of the Lord Jesus Christ and then were immediately baptised. You see, baptism is a signpost, a public declaration that someone has put their faith in Jesus as Lord and Saviour. In our churches, it's common for people to turn from their sins, to trust in Jesus, Lord and Saviour, and then for there to be a really long time, a gap for people to get baptised. In the New Testament, in the book of Acts, we just don't see that. People believed and were baptised that same day, sometimes even that same hour. In Romans chapter 10, Paul writes this. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. When someone becomes a Christian, there are two important aspects to it. Believing in your heart that Jesus is Lord and Saviour and declaring him as Lord. Publicly declaring that you trust Jesus as your Lord and as your Saviour is a crucial foundation in becoming a Christian. In the early church, baptism was a key public declaration of saying Jesus is Lord and it still is today. 
So water baptism is for all who put their trust in Jesus as Lord and Saviour. And baptism is to take place after someone has put their trust in Jesus. Looking at the book of Acts, we wouldn't expect a long time gap between someone believing in Jesus as Lord and Saviour and water baptism taking place. In scripture, baptism is not presented as an optional extra for those believers who want to be baptised. But it's a command in scripture to be abased. Actually, if you're saying Jesus is Lord, it's the first thing you tend to do to show that Jesus is your Lord. But what is the meaning of baptism and actually what happens when we do it? In a moment, we're going to look briefly at what Paul teaches about this in Romans chapter 6. I see that will explain the meaning of it. But as a church, when we baptise someone, we don't just simply sprinkle a bit of water on them. We fully immerse them in water, dunk them under the water. But why do we do that? Firstly, the Greek word baptizo, which we get our word baptised from, means to dip, to immerse, to submerge. Secondly, baptism by full immersion makes sense of how Paul describes the meaning of baptism in Romans 6. Let's read Romans chapter 6 from verses 3 to verses 11, and then we'll look at what baptism means. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptised into Christ Jesus were baptised into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self, our old man was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you almost also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. In baptism, there's a physical picture of a spiritual reality that takes place when someone believes in the Lord Jesus. In baptism, there's a burial and there's a resurrection. In baptism, there's a burial that takes place. Paul teaches us that when we put our faith in Jesus, we are united with him in his death. We died with Christ. Paul describes it like this. Our old self has been crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. Paul is telling us that when we put our faith in Christ, a radical change took place to our nature. Paul talks about the old man or the old self being crucified with Christ. What does that mean? The Bible teaches us that by nature, we have a tendency towards sin. Let me just try and illustrate this with an example. Imagine I have a pig. This pig loves the mud and loves the dirt. There's nothing it likes more than playing in a muddy puddle. 
Now I may bring this pig I love into my house. I can wash it, I can clean it up. But as soon as I let it out of the house, as soon as it sees a muddy puddle, it will run, into, run and jump into it. Why? Because the pig loves muddy puddles. It loves dirt. That's its nature. Now, I actually own a cat. Cats hate being dirty. They avoid mud and dirt and spend their days washing themselves. They love to be clean. If I wash a pig, it won't change its nature. If I want a pig to behave like a cat, the only way that would happen is by changing its nature to be that of a cat. According to the Bible, by nature, all of us are like that pig. It's not that we sometimes do wrong or sometimes say things that are wrong, but we are by nature those who are broken and who sometimes do that which is good. Jesus said that the wrong we do flows out of our hearts in Mark chapter 7. The heart of the problem is the problem of the heart would be what Jesus said. There's a problem with our nature and the solution is not slight behavioural modification or trying harder, but our relationship with sin has to radically change. And Paul says we need to die to our old self. Paul says that in baptism, we are united with Christ's death and our old nature is crucified with him. There's a death, there's a funeral that takes place. A person's old nature dies. There's a death for living for oneself and being a slave to sin and being the captain of one's life. In Turkey at funerals, people eat something called helva. In the church in Istanbul that I used to lead, during a baptismal service, we would ask the person getting baptised to make their own helva. And then at the end of the service, we would encourage everyone to eat helva together, including the person who had been baptised, who had made the helva, who ate the helva that they'd prepared for their funeral. It was such a powerful reminder that in baptism, we attend a funeral and the person being baptised attends their own funeral. However, it's not just a funeral in baptism, is it? There's also a resurrection that Paul writes about. He writes, we were buried by baptism into Jesus' death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. There was a uniting with Christ in death, yet there's also a uniting with Christ in resurrection. When someone believes in Christ, just as Christ was raised to life, so is the new believer raised to a new life. Paul writes, count yourself as dead to sin, but alive to God. In being raised with Christ, there's a new nature that God gives us. When trusting in Jesus, God gives us a new nature with a desire to honour God and to live for him. The prophet Ezekiel prophesied about this, saying that one day God will give us new hearts a new spirit that he will put within you. He will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And he will put his spirit within you and cause you to walk in his ways and be careful to obey his rules. 
You see, on believing in Jesus, a miracle took place. And baptism is a physical representation of that a physical representation of that spiritual reality. It's a burial. Someone goes under the water and is buried and then they come up again to new life, to live for God with new longings to pursue after Jesus. Whenever someone is baptised, we're confronted by this miracle that's taken place when someone believes in Jesus as Lord and Saviour. Moreover, our expectation when someone is baptised is it's not just an act of obedience. It's not just something symbolic that points to a spiritual reality. Our expectation is that those getting baptised will be hugely blessed by God, will encounter his presence, uh, will be filled with the Holy Spirit as they step out in obedience. So I suppose the question is, what does all this mean for us at King's Church Kingston in this coming season? Baptism in water is a key foundation for new believers. And in this season, even with some of the social isolation limitations due to COVID-19, we're committed to seeing new believers baptised within a short time of having trusted in Jesus as Lord and Saviour. In reality, baptisms in the coming season will probably need to be in smaller groups, settings, rather than as a whole church gathering together. It's most likely to be in a paddling pool in someone's garden. We'd be looking to have a church leader present, and if possible, a few other people from the church. And we would definitely want to make sure that the baptism is recorded so everyone can see it on a Sunday as part of our church service. We think it's really important that it's a public declaration of faith. And that's important for the person getting baptised. But actually for those who are members of the church, it's an important time to celebrate. We celebrate new birth as well as being reminded that there are new believers, new brothers and sisters in our church that we want to care for, commit to pray for and encourage. In this season, we're committed for people continuing to being baptised by full immersion, by being completely dunked under the water and coming out again, because we're persuaded that that only full immersion presents a picture of baptism, of being a burial and resurrection that we see in Romans chapter 6. In the Bible, when we see a baptism, there are others who are doing the baptism. And wherever possible, we want to continue doing this. Practically, in the coming season, this will probably mean those baptising and less in the same bubble as the person, being fa same family members, it will probably not be in the pool and we'll probably be wearing gloves and a face mask. So it won't quite be the same, but we will still be keen on baptizing people. These are strange times, aren't they, church? However, our expectation and hope is that in this season, we'll be celebrating baptisms. There'll be a few more precautions in place than we normally have to consider, but they will be times of great joy. And we expect that the person being baptized will profoundly encounter the presence of God as they are obedient to God's word and publicly declare that they know Jesus and love Jesus as Lord and Saviour. So how do we respond to this preach? For many of us, we'll respond simply by celebrating the new birth that we've experienced. 
that we're reminded when we were baptised, that uh, it's a reminder that we died to our old self and rose to life with Christ and have a new nature. And we look forward to celebrating other baptisms in the coming season. For some of you, you may have trusted in Jesus as Lord and Saviour, but you've actually never been baptised as a believer. And if that's you, I'd encourage you to go to the scriptures to see what God's word says about baptism. I'd urge you to seek God and chat to one of the leaders of the church about taking this key step, this key foundation in being a Christian. For some of you, you may just be exploring the Christian faith and are just simply at this moment asking the question, who is Jesus? What is Christianity? I'm hoping today's talk has been helpful in bringing some clarity to that. Now, some of you may be at the start of that journey just exploring. Others of you may be persuaded that Jesus is Lord and Saviour, and today is a day you can respond in faith. Paul said this in Romans 10, as I read earlier, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. If that's you today, if you know you believe it's true, you believe Jesus is Lord Saviour and want to make that next step, why not click on the prayer button and one of the prayer team would love to chat with you and pray with you and help you respond to the gospel. But let's now respond in worship that Jesus is one who uh, we died with, but also we've been raised to new life with.